I want to begin this session uh, just by addressing, uh, there's been quite a few questions around um, what to do in the gaps in the schedule. Um, these people are finding it quite difficult, some of us are finding it quite difficult, you know, when there's a lunch break or, um, you know, any of the meal breaks, etc. just kind of what to do. Yeah. And first of all, to say this is really, I think, really important and interesting insight to see, you know, just um, how preoccupied we are with occupation. <laughs> so the first thing is just to see that it's really important for us to see that. You know, it's very strong um, human tendency and very strong in our societies and cultures and getting stronger. So just to, to notice that that pull. Um, and so one, one possibility, you know, what to, what to do is to practice more. You know, that's, you know, the schedule is there as a support, um, but we could choose you know, the volume. Is this better? Yeah, is this better if, um, yeah, okay. So practice more. Um, just, you know, take your time, go slow and just say, okay, I'm going to do another walking practice now. I'm going to do another sitting. Um, as I said earlier, you can use the, the guided meditations, either the fully guided or the lightly guided as a support for that, um, if you wish. So that's one, one thing that we can do. Um, and that continuity of practice is actually really helpful for us. You know, the continuity, just the flow. Yeah, sitting, walking, sitting, walking, actually really supports um, the deepening of our practice. And it really helps to build up momentum. Another thing that you can do is rest. Yeah. So, you know, there's quite uh, a significant break around uh, lunchtime. That's, you know, to allow you to prepare your food and to wash up, you know, with ease. Uh, but you can also have a rest, you know, that's not only allowed, but for some of us, it's really needed. Yeah, so we can do that. Yeah, same at night. Um, and then other things that you can do, uh, it's just a questions just come in about journaling. Um, for some people, that's part can be a useful part of your practice. I would say just to be mindful and careful with that, so to a degree. Yeah. Take notes of what's relevant to your practice, but don't kind of uh, get into writing a book. Um, so kind of really finding the, the, the useful middle way uh, there. Um, going out for walks, yeah. Also really supportive, really helpful. Yeah. So even if you live in a city, um, in an urban environment, um, if you can, you know, if it's possible to go out for a walk if you're not in a lockdown situation where that's not possible then then just go out and and have a walk um, and we can maintain the same intentionality of the practice maybe more lightly also when we go out for a regular walk so i was giving this example in a group yesterday um meta meditation is particularly good for this so you can go out walking and you can just say okay when i hear the sound of other beings, not all of them necessarily, I'm just going to respond with metta. So I hear a bird, may be happy. You know, I hear a car, that's good, or maybe peaceful. I hear the sound of someone's voice, I hear a dog barking, you know, just kind of include that in, in the field. Or we're going for a walk, we're just including that in our practice. Um, it can be really, really helpful. Um, and another suggestion is, is um, you know, if you were in a retreat center, you would have a work period. <laughs> yeah, so you'd have a period of the day, which would be about an hour, where you were doing some mindful um, work to, to kind of um, uh, contribute to the running of the center. So some of you know this very well from your own experience. So we can create our own work period. Yeah? And it's helpful with this. You know, it can be, this is, can be a tricky area if you're in your own home. <laughs> because you can just come up with lists and lists of things that need to be done. Um, so it's really helpful to kind of take time to define the time, decide when in the day you're going to do it, how long it's going to be, not more than an hour probably, and then really be clear and find something relatively simple. Yeah, 
that you're doing. And then just do that. On our recent retreat, I was, um, and we had a whole load of almonds from a Palestinian friend uh, and given to them in their shells. I was cracking, <laughs> um, cracking the, the almonds, you know, and Nathan was cleaning the balcony of the house that we were in, you know, so you get like, you just find a task or several tasks that you just do and that kind of, and again, you bring the metta, you bring the mindfulness, um, you bring the presence into that um, and that can, can support you. Um, so that's just some suggestions. Be creative uh, and maybe to go back to what I first said, you know, just noticing this. And often what comes up for us is actually quite a lot of fear that we have around boredom. Um, and that's really interesting. You know, what is it, you know, so taking some time to sit with that, yeah, in your armchair with a cup of tea doesn't necessarily need to be in formal meditation practice and just to, to feel into it and contemplate what is it that I'm actually afraid of? Yeah. What, what's going on with this and can I bring meta to this can I bring interest to this and can I bring interest into this this you know real opportunity to slow down the busyness yeah. to slow down the busyness um, that this is offering us um, so yeah so a few suggestions um, around that and so um I'll kind of shift now to to speak more um, directly about our formal practice uh, together. Um, so just a little kind of very brief recap, two sentence recap of what we've done so far. Um, we've been uh, bringing our attention more fully into the body and we've been exploring breathing or exploring the breath um, as a kind of inviting it to be more nourishing. So this can be through being longer, it can be through being uh, deeper, it can be through um, just kind of inviting it to be nourishing, to be longer, um, to be um, more pleasant, even more comfortable. This has been one thread of our exploration. It can be very, very, very worthwhile to continue. Uh, and the other thread has been uh, the meta practice, you know, which Nathan introduced the formal meta practice um, yesterday at the end of the day. Um, and so these are kind of two threads that um, we'll, we'll be working with and you can um, choose either of them, yeah, two strands, you can choose either of them as your primary practice if you, if you wish. Yeah. They may already feel that uh, this is more accessible to me. So I'm going to be more doing meta practice. And I'm going to more do breath of body. Um, and you can also um, decide that you alternate. Yeah. If you choose to alternate, if you choose to work with both, which is fine. The important thing is that you're clear the beginning of each practice, which one I'm doing. Okay, I'm going to be doing meta practice now or I'm going to be doing um, body breath awareness. Yeah. So you're clear, so you're not just kind of drifting around. Yeah. So some clarity about um, the intention, either in a sitting or a walking period. And just to say now um, that actually what both these strands are doing, yeah, the, the meta and the body breath awareness as we've been exploring it here, the cultivating space and stability in attention. Okay, this is what we're doing with them, cultivating space and stability in attention. And another way of saying it, cultivating um, wholesome ways of looking, wholesome ways of relating to experience. So we've already mentioned this, and um, it's one of the things that kind of... Uh, as humans, we need to be reminded of again and again. We have a tendency, yeah, our mind has a tendency to notice and to fixate on what isn't quite right, okay? In psychology, this is called the negativity bias, okay? It really is a strong tendency of the mind. You know, the Buddha spoke about this 2,600 years ago, and psychology is talking about it. Um, 
today. Yeah. It has been for a little while. There's a tendency of the mind to do that. And so this is part of why um, we're exploring this kind of nourishing breath or pleasant breath or longer breath or soothing breath. It's kind of to redress that balance. It's actually pretty important for us as humans to do that. To learn to notice and to stay actually with what is actually okay. Yeah. Or maybe even pleasant. Something that we learn to do. Yeah. But it's going against the stream of our conditioning. And in many ways, meta practice also does that because it opens us to that, to that well-being of kindness and goodwill and connection. So our primary practice continues, yeah, nourishing breath or meta. But I'd like to also touch on uh, this morning on ways of getting skillful, developing skill. Um, to work with um, discomfort or even pain in the body when they arise, okay? Because this, of course, happens. And for most of us, probably by now, we've experienced some discomfort yeah. or pain in the body. So this happens, and so um, it's helpful to include it in our practice and to learn how to work with it skillfully. So one interesting thing to see, and, and this is kind of part of our encouragement, as we slow down, as we take our time with our experience, um, we start to look, you know, what, what kind of, what, how does this habitually kind of unfold? So, you know, there's often discomfort in the body, especially if you're sitting, you know, still for, you know, more than five minutes. There might be discomfort in the body. And um, our kind of habitual way of relating to discomfort, first of all, as I said, the attention, the awareness shrinks around it, contracts around it. Um, and the other, and then there's kind of, oh, this is unpleasant. I don't want it. Yeah, pushing away. Yeah, resisting, rejecting, contracting. So this is a very natural yeah, human response. Um, and we will just question, is it the most useful? Yeah. Is it the most useful? So the Buddha had a wonderful teaching. Um, many of you may have come across it about the two arrows and the two darts. Yeah. I'll just touch on it very lightly. He was describing our human condition. And he said, the way we relate to physical pain, and he was giving this uh, simile, this example of, um, you know, someone walking along and then being hit by a dart or an arrow, you know, more relevant to his time than ours perhaps, but we can imagine something else happening. Yeah. So someone walking along and being hit by a dart or an arrow. And then he, he would say, you know, the response of the uninstructed yeah, human person who hasn't reflected on their experience, who hasn't practiced, is to then um, get into a lot of distress. He, he's quite graphic in his description, beats their chest and laments, you know, I, I find it really funny, but very also um, accurate. Why has this happened to me? You know, I don't want this. You know, who did this? Why did I walk here? You know, why didn't I go that way? whatever, you know, we can imagine ourselves in all kinds of, of, of situations when something, when a pain arises, when something unpleasant happens. And so he says, you know, the uninstructed worldling responds by shooting a second arrow. This is why this is called the two arrows. Yeah, so we have the initial event, yeah. pain in the body, and then our response, our way of relating, our way of looking at it, which actually then creates a lot of the dukkha around that. Okay, so sometimes we have something that we recognize as pain in the body, 
And interestingly enough, what we are feeling, yeah, as uncomfortable is our resistance to those sensations. Yeah. So second errors appear physically and mentally. And again, modern scientific research shows this. And when there's pain in the body, the body naturally contracts around that painful sensation. Yeah. And what does that do? <laughs> Creates more pain. So it's a, it's a strong habit. And then the mental on top of that, the resistance, the pushing away, the aversion, yeah. adds contraction. So really important when we want, if we want to get skillful with what's uncomfortable yeah, or even painful, um, we really need to be clear about our intention. Yeah. And this is also, um, can be quite amusing if you've got my type of humor, it's a bit, maybe a bit twisted, but you know, we have this tendency, yeah, to say, okay, I'll meet the unpleasant, yeah, I'll do what she says, I'll try out these methods because then I'll get rid of, I'll get rid of this pain, I'll get rid of this discomfort, yeah. And that's, you know, we call this deal-making and it's actually another form of aversion. I'll pay attention to you so that you go away. So again, if we see this, it's probably going to arise. Can we just smile? Yeah, it's human. Yeah, it's human that this arises. So there's some rejection there. So we're coming back here, and I'm just going to highlight this thread that I spoke of last night. Yeah, when there's discomfort or pain in experience, to some degree, yeah, the way we were looking or relating to it is contributing to that experience or to how we're seeing it. So if there's a lot of resistance, rejection, aversion, it will shape it one way. And if there's allowing and metta, it will shape it another way. Doesn't mean it will go away completely, but it's contributing, it's contributing. So the way, um, the way we relate has significance and it's really helpful to have this insight um, in the background, okay? So we're not kind of trying to figure out how am I relating right now and how am I doing it wrong, yeah? And how can I punish myself so that I start doing it right, yeah? That's not what we're doing. We're just keeping in the background the sense of, ah, there's a way of looking, there's a way of relating that's contributing to what is appearing right now. Yeah? And how can I play with that through um, the ways that I'm going to suggest now? The inside is in the background. So the first step, the first thing we're going to do, and I'm going to offer quite a few different ways of relating to pain and discomfort. Um, and I'm just reminding you this is being recorded. Ha. Huh. Luckily, it's being triple recorded. Because I have a tendency to forget to record, but Sagif doesn't. So he records it twice. So the first step is acknowledging, yeah, just where I'm at, okay? There's something here. Yeah, there's the first arrow, there's some pain, there's some discomfort, something's bugging me, something's pulling my attention. It might be very mild, you know, tickle and itch. Yeah. Amazing how small things when we meditate become very, very dominant. So seeing there's something pulling my attention and then is there, and then there's usually some resistance, yeah, some rejection of that something, that second error, yeah. or some contraction. And we're just very lightly interested to see that. That's our first step. Okay. And then here are some ways of then relating, responding. Can I allow for this? And for this here, I'm talking about the second arrow. <laughs> yeah, can I just allow right now that what I'm doing is resisting? Just allow that there's resistance or aversion or rejection going on. Now. 
And I'm interested in that. As I'm allowing, I'm interested. I'm coming closer. How does it feel to allow rejection? More resistance to experience. And then what happens to the resistance when I accept it? Really interesting. If you're working with the breath, you can use the breath here. You can feel the resistance in the body and say, okay, what happens when I breathe with it? Breathe with it. We can also bring the breath more directly to the painful or uncomfortable area. So we can guide the breath. This is where kind of seeing the breath more as an energy, as a flow through the body, guiding it to that area that's painful or uncomfortable. So guiding it to the knee, guiding it to the hip, guiding it to the back. As we're breathing, either do this with the breath or you can do it directly we're inviting the tension of the contraction to relax so now we're kind of coming directly into contact with that area that feels uncomfortable or painful we're either guiding the breath there soothing bathing that area or we're inviting um, any tension to just relax or ease off even a little bit We can also imagine yeah, the breath actually coming in and out of that area of discomfort. We're talking about touching on malleability and flexibility of the mind. And we can imagine, you know, this pain in the knee, imagine the breath coming in and out of that area. And I'm interested to see what happens when I do that. You can also expand awareness. This is really interesting. So again, as I said a few times, what happens with um, this negativity bias is that awareness shrinks around what's unpleasant. And what we're we're doing in practice, and we'll do it more today, we're opening up the awareness to the whole body. Or if the whole body is too hard, we open it out to more of the body. So we're expanding the awareness. When we open up the awareness to the whole body or to sounds, attention follows that and opens up. And so that contraction around the painful, which was contributing to the pain, eases. This is another way of playing this. Less fixating on what's uncomfortable. Okay, so these are a few ways. There's a couple of more, a few more actually. Back to what I said near the beginning. Sometimes, yeah, the most fruitful thing we can do is actually bring the awareness to somewhere that feels okay. Yeah, so we're a little bit doing it when we expand the awareness to the whole body or to the sound. We're moving our attention away from what's not okay what we think is not okay or labeling is not okay to something that is, yeah, wide awareness, wider space. But we can also do it more precisely. So in the body itself, yeah, so maybe there's pain or discomfort, there's a tickle on the face, yeah, but the flow of the breathing is actually quite pleasant. Yeah? I shift the awareness and I might need to do it again and again and again, but this is such a useful skill to develop. I'm shifting the awareness to something that feels pleasant. Or, you know, the little finger for most of us feels absolutely fine most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Or the hand, you know, or, you know, so many areas, the the nose, the ears. We we just need to start looking. Actually, you know, there's this tickle on the face, but most of the body's fine. Can I just shift somewhere else? And really remember, we're cultivating really such an invaluable skill when we do that, to shift to to something else that's going on. And that's okay, or even pleasant. Okay, so that's another way. 
We can also uh, bring metta, awe and compassion, directly to the experience, directly to the sensations of pain and discomfort. So we can hold it in tenderness, hold it, bathe it in tenderness. And see how that impacts, that impacts what we're experiencing. And the last thing that we can do uh, in, in really one or two, uh, one of two scenarios. One is, which I haven't addressed yet, um, the encouragement here is really to work with, um, to start developing these skills with relatively mild, yeah, mild discomfort, mild pain. It really is like building up a muscle for most of us. Um, and definitely to take care of the body. So if there's areas of your body where there's, you know, history, of injury, um, of ongoing pain, uh, or chronic pain, then some of this, you know, will support you in working with that. But sometimes, especially with injury, you know, we need to move. Okay, and, and you know, trust your knowledge of your body with that. So we don't. We're not using this as a way of. Um, we're not interested in kind of harming the body as we do this. So it's really. So that would be one scenario when. We move and another would be uh, that sometimes the sense of struggle in the mind and the contraction uh, becomes uh, really really strong yeah so there's a you know the sense of like you know and you're just holding yourself like this and completely contracted I'm staying with this because they told me I should you know and there's like a you know a real real ter- like really strong sense of struggle or it just keeps getting um, increasing um, then the skillful response might be to just move, yeah, change the posture. Um, and with changing the, the, the posture, you know, it's not just an on-off, like, like we, we like to say. You know, it's not either I'm in this posture or in that posture. I'm mindful, I'm not mindful. Yeah. So I may see, okay, I need to shift posture right now. Um, can I do this with attentiveness? Can I stay present? Can I stay interested? Can I stay kind as I do this? So also in the moving, mindfully, attentively, slowly, gently, and exploring how much change is needed. Yeah. How much change is needed? Sometimes it's very little. Yeah. And sometimes we actually need to shift maybe from um, sitting to standing or from one sitting posture to another. So we have the whole range there, and that's a whole area of exploration um, for us. I'm assuming Christina's internet connection is hers. Is everyone else still able to hear me? Yeah, okay. Sorry about that, Christina. But yeah, it, it is recorded, so you'll be able to listen later to what you've missed. Um, so what's really important to come back to what I said, that the, the underlying insight, I said this earlier on, all of these ways of attending to discomfort include a shift in the way of relating. And I hope that's clear. Yeah. We're relating to that pain and discomfort differently. Yeah. There isn't just the pushing away that I don't want you to get out of here, you know. Um, but um, there's uh, some degree of interest, yeah, which is so key. Some degree of interest, some degree of allowing, of giving space to that experience. And that in itself eases levels of contraction that, again, contribute to the perception of discomfort. So that's kind of one general thing to say. A few other general things before we, we go into the practice. One is I've just given you like six or seven ways of, of working um, or exploring, you know, working with discomfort. Um, don't try all of them at once. <laughs> you know, so it can be really helpful to, you know, kind of if you've taken notes or if you haven't, just something struck you, just take you know, one, two, three things and say, I'm going to explore this, yeah, and see uh, what works. 
Um, really important to build up our skills through mild discomfort first, if it's possible for you. I know for some people, you don't have that choice. Yeah. Uh, every retreat I teach, I know there's some people here who are living with quite intense degrees of pain yeah, in the body or discomfort in the body. So again, just choosing skillfully yeah, which of the ways are, are helpful, trying it out, seeing what works um, for you. And a lot of this yeah, uh, could be also um, applicable to emotions and mental states, um, but it's helpful to get to know it, to develop the skill first with our physical sensations, with the body. The body is a much more, um, for most of us, a simpler arena. Yeah, we get less triggered, we get less entangled yeah, and with emotions, but I just want to put it out there. It's less complex and so it's good to, to kind of um, develop our skills with the body first. And the last thing is, um, and I think I said it, but I really want to highlight it. Um, some discomfort in the body is going to happen to all of us. Yeah. On this retreat, most likely. Yeah. There might be some, some people might not, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah. But generally, yeah, generally, some degree is going to happen. Um, you know, mostly we don't spend large chunks of the day sitting still. Our body isn't used to it. So when we do that, yeah, discomfort arises. And so we can accept that that's part of the, it's part of the, the, the things that are, that are going to happen um, when we practice, when we sit. Um, and not kind of, um, on the one hand, not, not seeing it as a big deal. It's part, of the, it's part of the process. It's part of what arises. Um, and the other side of it is, okay, you know, can I also, when that becomes stronger and really is wanting, is kind of demanding my attention or pulling my attention, um, or just as a practice, can I also um, kind of develop the skill of working with pain and discomfort during this time? Um, so we have both and last thing to say um, there's also practical things we can do <laughs> to support the body yeah uh, to to be more comfortable and more at ease yeah so any kind of um, stretching and yoga etc through the day if you can do that supports the body yeah and then also really taking time to in each sitting yeah to feel into your body and to make sure that you're honoring and respecting the body and how you're placing it yeah so there's tips about posture on the notice board um, a lot of different a lot of information please have a look at that um, you know the balance the distance between your legs um, which leg is in front if you're sitting cross-legged? There's so many little things that make a difference. Yeah, support for the hands and the arms sometimes so they're higher up, not lower down. So a lot of little things that we can do that support the body, and also um, alternating postures between meditation sessions and the sitting really helpful. So um, if you're not used to sitting. Yeah, in one in the same posture for many hours of the day, then do you know some sitting in a chair, some sitting, you know, if you use a stool or sit on the ground in some way cross-legged, just alternate. Yeah. Don't um, don't feel like you need to push through in the same uh, same posture all through the day if that's causing um, strain. So yeah, so a lot there. Um, Hopefully not too much. And um, like yesterday, we'll follow on from this with the Q&A session. So um, if there's any questions, then just kind of make a note for yourself and we'll come back to those. And let's have, uh, let's have, about, have about 20 minutes for practice together. So we can already apply what I just said. You know, first of all, we've already been here about 35 minutes at least. So 
if you need to, um, you know, to do anything with the body. It might just be like I'm doing now, just standing up and then sitting down again or just stretching a particular part of the body or shaking it out, you know, just really listening. And then when you're ready, um, settling into your posture, it might be standing, it might be sitting, posture of stillness. And taking time to make the adjustments that you need. So that there's a sense of support and stability and steadiness in the posture as much as possible. bringing the awareness more fully into the body as you settle into the posture. It can be helpful to use the sensations of contact. Body with seat, body with ground. as a support for gathering the awareness in the body. And as always, if the body doesn't feel like an appropriate place for awareness right now, then you can use sound. We're gathering and settling the awareness in the body from the sensations of contact. Just feeling the support that's rising up and spreading through the body. And awareness also spreading out, expanding through the body. So taking your time and exploring for yourself, this expansion of awareness can feel like we're rooted in the contact areas, the sensations of contact with seat and ground and from there opening out, expanding awareness through the body, more and more of the body space. This field of awareness, this field of knowing. Knowing experience, sensitivity, spread through the whole body. Within this wide field of awareness in the body, the breath flowing through, moving through. You 
particularly inviting the breath to be nourishing. Whatever way is needed right now. We might connect more to the enlivening and energizing aspect of the in-breath. Our energy is a little low. Might connect more to the soothing and opening, loosening aspect of the out-breath. There's some degree of agitation. And for most of us, it can be helpful to invite the breath to just be a little bit longer, to find, to explore, to play with the breath. Finding, exploring, tuning in. to the breathing as nourishment, letting the breath be as nourishing as is possible right now. So we keep coming back, if we can, to opening and widening the awareness in the body. To this invitation for the breathing to be as nourishing. As possible. Keeping the, the attitude, the, the touch of awareness quite light, if we can, as we do this, as we explore and play. Inviting the breath to be longer, to be nourishing. comfortable. And I'll remind here, just in case the breath isn't a helpful object for you, you can use the body awareness, you can use sound, you can use meta. All of those equally as good. This is our primary practice. We have some clarity around that. Which practice I'm doing. And then I'm tuning in particularly to the nourishment, the well-being that arises with the practice.
as much as I can. And if at any point, we're not particularly looking for this, but if at any point, any degree of discomfort starts pulling on your attention, calling your attention, there's a few possibilities to explore. Happens when I open the awareness to the whole body. What happens if I incline my attention to somewhere else that actually feels okay, maybe even good? And this could be the breath, it could be the intention of metta. That's the practice you're doing. Could be just the capacity to hear, hearing itself, regardless of the object. Incline the mind somewhere that feels okay, that little finger. And these are some particularly particular suggestions if you're working with meta. Can I increase the feeling of meta? Perhaps even welcoming the pain to some degree, allowing it, meeting it with friendliness. If you're working with the breath, is it possible to come into the pain using the breath to massage any stuck or blocked sensations? Relax tension around the area that feels blocked or uncomfortable. These are just some options to, to explore.
So just noticing where you are without judgment. Coming back to the object of the practice with interest and kindness. Widening the space of awareness if you can. Continuing to attend. So I'll just recap for the rest of the, for today, the, the practice, yeah. choose your practice. Might be that you primarily work with one particular strand, yeah. either the breath, body, sound, or metta. And then we're also interested in this cultivating a skillful way of relating to discomfort when that arises. And really exploring that and what happens when we bring interest to that. So with the walking practice, a few kind of suggestions, reminders, explorations with walking, um, you may have noticed for some of us, uh, for most of us, it takes more commitment, the walking practice. Uh, you, might, you might be finding that it's quite interesting. For some people, it's, it's easier. 
but for many there's more of a sense of ah you know somehow they're sitting here together even though um we're physically alone there's a support in, in knowing ah, i'm seeing all these others um so this is also it's interesting you know it's things that we learn about ourselves and how we operate and what impacts us so you might choose to do walking practice indoors um, with the screen still on and maybe some others will do that as well and you can see each other doing your walking you know that might be one thing that you you can explore um you also just notice that and say okay can i take that sense of support yeah into the walking as well what is it that supports me can i take that with me into the walking and to really see that um you know, the aspect of the continuity of the practice which i touched on at the beginning which is uh, so helpful you know that movement you know i don't need to think what i'm doing now the sitting's over you know i go to the toilet i make a drink i go and do my walking practice and i keep that momentum going yeah, keep that momentum going and then from the walking to the city for some people like me walking practices you know is our favorite i love it <laughs> you know so we have a real you know there's a real range you know? but just that sense of actually the body you know, body moving you know, body moving through the space um and also for many of us there's a lot of insight that comes in the walking practice sometimes the deepest insights actually come in the walking or in the transitions so um it may take a little bit more commitment or perseverance go with it yeah just give yourself to that give yourself to that um a few suggestions for the practice in the walking it's possible to do meta practice in walking if you like meta practice you can bring that into the walking practice as well so as you're walking yeah um first of all to yourself yeah so you kind of find a rhythm with the phrases and then you're walking you're still walking slowly usually for most of us it's a slower speed um but you're using the phrases or the feeling of metta as the object of your practice rather than the steps on the ground yeah um or a variation of that can be that actually the steps on the on the ground are the metta so you're kissing the ground or you're offering metta to the ground as you're walking so it can be a variation that you do or you know the heart is radiating metta as you walk um if you're doing metta to someone else um it's really beautiful ways of doing this you can imagine the other person at the end of your path yeah and you see them there you know, and um and you're walking towards them and you're offering them metta it's really beautiful really really beautiful um or as uh, for some people it was best to, better to imagine the person walking next to you yeah so you're kind of walking side by side and you're kind of in a in a space of metta together and sharing the metta with them so these are some variations you know so if you do yourself in the way that i said just generally through the ground um to another in one of these ways um and uh and it might be just radiating the metta out um from the heart or in all directions and if you're um if you're not doing metta practice um if you're using sound you can continue using the sound in the walking as well so the same way you know you're walking so that's the posture of the body but you're your um awareness is with the sounds that are arising and passing through awareness um and with body and breath um really helpful for most of us the 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 footsteps the sensations of contact of the foot on the ground and then that um as the foot comes up rising up shifting you know there's quite a lot of a uh, detail there that we can pay attention to um and again for some people whole body playing with whole body awareness we can just have the sense of a whole body walking yeah awareness spread through the whole body as we're walking so some variations there as well so that's the um those are the 
suggestions for today. Um, so we're going to have the optional Q&A now. Um, so if you wish to stay for that, either you have a question or you want to listen, um, then please do. Um, if you want to uh, flow into walking, please do. You can stay with us and do walking on screen if that's what you wish to do. Um, or you can go in and uh, either turn the screen off or do walking outside. Um, all those options are, are available. So I'll just give a couple of uh, minutes for this transition for those who want to leave to leave and for a minute doesn't take long on Zoom. And then we'll open to some questions. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.